Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. For more information about Adventure Church, please visit our website at adventurechurch.tv. Now, prepare your heart for a message from God's Word. We've been in a series over the last few weeks. We're going to wrap it up today called Rock'em Sock'em Robots. And what this series has been about is that, you know, is, are we robots that like God kind of has our lives uh, the, at the controls, he has the joysticks to our lives, and he kind of dictates everything that we do? Or do we really have a choice in the matter? And we've been talking through about how God has given us free will to choose what really our destiny is. Sure, he has a plan for us, but we have to choose to follow what that plan is for our life. And so the, the first week, we talked about how God's will really is whatever, that when we walk in his ways, we will discover God's uh, will for our life. And so it's really just being obedient to the revealed will that's through God's word. So God has made some things very black and white of how we're supposed to live and, and function as believers. And so we need to walk in that. And when we walk in obedience, the Bible says in Proverbs 3 that God will lead us and get us to where he wants us to go. And then we talked about walking in God's ways, but we can't walk in God's ways if we don't know his word. And we talked about the dedication that we must have as believers to get the knowledge and to apply that to our life so we know what God wants us to do. And last week we talked about what God is saying specifically to us, that yeah, there is the revealed will of God, but then there's sometimes where we really have to go on this journey to figure out what God wants for us individually. And so we talked about how God can speak to us and how he speaks through other people and our situations that we're in in life and how the Holy Spirit is in us and leads us to what God wants us to do. Our theme verse for this series is found in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, and it says this, and whatever you do, look at your neighbor again and say, whatever, whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So whatever we do needs to be dedicated to God, whether we say it, whether we live it, whether it's an action, a motive that we have, that we need to dedicate that to the God and bring glory to him. So this week, we're going to talk a little bit through, uh, again, the discovery process of God's will. It's kind of a recap over the last three weeks, but there's some new things that now that we've kind of got a foundation, an understanding of how we discover God, how he speaks to us, what's this process look like? What do we need to do when we, we need God in the future and we're seeking his guidance for our life? Three-step process, quickly, we're going to go through this morning, that I believe if we do these things continually... We will always be able to know what God wants for our life and discover what he wants us to do. Psalm 40, verses 4 through 8 in the NIV, David wrote this, and and he was in some kind of trouble at this time when he writes this psalm. We don't know exactly what it was, whether his son was was trying to to kill him. Maybe it was after he had committed adultery and murder, but he he was having a difficult time, and he writes this psalm in chapter 44 through 8. He says, Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you have planned for us. None can compare to you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, there would be too many to declare. Sacrifice and offering, I'm sorry, sacrifice and offering you do not desire, but my ears have been open. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, here am I, I have come It is written about me in the scrolls. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. So David's saying here, you know, there's there's sacrifices. You You don't want that. What you want is a heart that's dedicated to you. You don't require all these other things. What you simply want 
is to, someone to be open to you, to discover what you want for their life. And so the first, there's three D's today we're going to go through. And the first one is this, is that David was on a journey and he made a commitment to, first of all, discover what God wants to do for his life. David said, you have opened my ears to hear my voice. In verse 7, he said, then, he said, here am I, I have come, it is written about me in the scroll. And what he is referring to there is in Deuteronomy chapter 17, the, the, the prophecy that kind of describes the type of king that David would be. And so he said, it's been written about me, this is how I'm supposed to be, this is how I'm supposed to live. God, I have come to you, my ears have been opened. So he had come to a place where he had discovered God's will. He realized that God had a plan for him, and his ears were opened, and he heard from God. I think many people can, some of them can live their entire life or a good portion of their life and never really hear from God. Their ears have never been opened to what God wants for their life. They can live that way where they they have no idea the vision of our church. Obviously, we're just a a few months old, and, and the reason we're here, the reason we planted Adventure Church is because we have a heart to help people discover the life God created them to live. That people are living, some of them are living a a good life, they have material things, but until you really know who God is and who he created you to be and the plan that he has for your life, you're not living to your full potential. So we want to help people discover the life that God created them to live. But that takes a commitment. Again, we're not robots. God doesn't pre-program us to say, you're going to do this and this and this, and you're going to discover this, and you're going to make this decision. It doesn't work that way. That we have to choose to discover, choose to seek after God's will for our own life. Uh, last Sunday, we had a friend over, and we were sitting there, and uh, we just like anyone else, watching the playoffs, and, and we said, hey, let's get some pizza, and so we decided some pizzas, we wanted to get Toront- Toronto's, is that what it's called? Is Toronto's, I'm saying it right? Whatever, Tarantino's, yeah, I'm, my Italian's really bad, uh, but, but a place over here, people love it, they, they rave about it, so we're like, hey, let's go ahead and get that, and there was just three of us, my wife and, and myself and Jake was there, and so we're sitting there watching football, we're like, hey, let's get the pizza. Literally, it took us 15 minutes to, to decide what we wanted on the pizza. Well, I want this. Well, this coupon says this. Well, if we add that, though, it's going to cost this much more. What do we really want here? Well, okay, that we need to eliminate a topping. Well, which one do we eliminate? You know, we were going back and forth, and finally, you know, we made the decision on what pizza we're going to order. And sometimes I think our, our life is a little bit like that. Or maybe, you know, you've, you've gone out with some friends, and you're all hanging out, and you go, hey, let's go out to eat. And it takes like 30 minutes to figure out where you want to go to eat. You know, when we, in, in church, we've been in ministry for a long time, and, and you know, it's, it's custom, you know, especially when I was single, every Sunday after every youth event, we would go out to eat. We would go somewhere and hang out and eat together, the leaders, the friends, and so uh, we would always have that dilemma. It would take like 30 minutes every week. Hey, where do you guys want to go? Let's go here. I don't want to go there. I ate there this week. I don't want to go here. And so finally, Jess actually made a, a list that she would just pull out and be like, here's our options right here. You know, we got like 10 options. Let's narrow it down. Let's pick something. Because we have lots of options. And, and sometimes it, it really is like that in our walk with God. You go, hey, look, Kyle. Yeah, I've decided to follow God. I know that I want pizza. I know that I want to go eat but what do I want on my pizza? Where do we actually want to eat? I, I, I know that I want pizza, but what type do I want? And that's kind of how our, the discovery process is. God, it's not always easy. It's not always simple that you have options. You have decisions that you have to choose from. But we have to make sure that we do our part to seek what God wants to do for us. 
The Bible is very clear about how God works, that, that we have to, to do our part in, in discovering, that we have to go on the journey to seek out what God wants for us. He, we're not pre-programmed. He's not just going to tell you what to do unless you want to hear what he has to say. I think the, the fact today that you're here, that it's snowing a lot, and you brave the elements, and you're here, says a lot about where you're at on the journey of discovery. You're saying, you know what? I'm willing to go to church, even when it's not convenient, even when i got to shovel my car out, even when i got to bundle my kids up. I'm going to be at church today. And, and that says something about where you're at in your walk. I say, I, I want to know what God wants for me. And I think a lot of people just don't know what God wants because they've never even been exposed to God. They've never been in a setting like this where there's music. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people, that where two or three are gathered, that he is there in the midst of them. That whether you realize it or not, that God is in this place, that his spirit is in this place, and just being exposed to that, that God can speak to you, that he can whisper something to you in the middle of a song, that you can read a lyric on a screen, and it it says something to you in the moment that you go, I needed that today. Many times people come up to me after a message, and they'll go, man, how did you know? And I'll say, know what? What you said today, that, that's exactly where I'm at right now. That's exactly what God was just, I'm like, that wasn't me. That's, that's God. That's the Holy Spirit. That when you expose yourself, when you get in an environment where God is there and he's speaking, he'll speak to you. But you have to take that step to say, I want to discover what you want for me, God. I want to know what it is. Hebrews eleven six says, it is impossible to please God without faith goes on to describe what faith should look like, that faith isn't just a belief, that it's actually an action. It's a way that we live our life. It says anyone who wants to come to him, God, must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who sincerely, another translation says, diligently seek him. Sincerely, diligently seek him. So he, he rewards those that seek him. He speaks to those that seek him, those who want to discover, God says, he, you will discover, but we have to do the part to seek. Proverbs 29, 11 is a, a scripture we hear a lot. It's a positive scripture. It's an encouraging scripture. And, and the prophet was speaking to Israel, and they were in a tough situation. And God was speaking through the prophet. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days you will pray, and I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, key word there, wholeheartedly, you will find me, and I will be found by you, says the Lord. So we always hear that, that I know the plans I have for you, so the plan for good, the plans for a future, the people preach that, it sounds really good, but then we, we skip verse 12 a lot, and it says those days when you pray, so first of all, you got to pray. You have to engage God in a conversation and say, God, I need to hear from you. And he says, and when you do that, I will listen. You'll hear from me. And if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me, and I will be found by you, says the Lord. So God is available. He is is willing and wanting to speak to you. He wants to lead your life, but he says, you're not a robot. I'm not going to control you. I'm not going to make you do anything. You have to want it. You have to want it. God. If you don't seek, you'll never find that discovering God's will for your life is the most worthy endeavor and adventure that you could go on. It's important. You need to do that. I don't know about you. Have you ever lost something valuable before? I have. 
And I'm kind of this guy, like I have systems, you you guys are kind of getting to know me a little bit a few months in, you can tell I'm a little OCD about some things, and so I'm, I'm the type where, you know, every, everything has a place and every place has its thing, like things need to be in the same spot, and, and I married someone who's the exact opposite, and so a lot of, of Jess and I conversation will be like, hey, where did you put whatever? Where did you put that? Well, I put it there. Well, why'd you put it there? I always put it here, so, and I always keep it in the same spot, so when I need it, I know exactly where it is. Anyone else? Can I get an amen? You're with me on that? So you do that. You, you set things up like that. And so when I lose something, so I have a system. So like right now, my keys are right here, my phone's right here, and my wallet's right here. So every time I stand up, anytime I leave somewhere, I do, I do my pat system. You know, I'm like, here I go. I, I got... You know, people think I'm playing the drums, whatever it is, but I'm checking for my keys, my phone, and my wallet because those are the most important things that I need. I need my wallet, I need my phone, I need my keys. And so, but have you ever lost one of those things before? Like your car keys or your, your phone now? I think, I think even the phone, it used to be my wallet was probably the most important, but now it's probably my phone, you know, that, that I need my phone. Even if I, you know, forget my money for the day, I can live, but I don't, I, I don't know that I could go without my phone and being connected, all, all that stuff. But when you lose something that's important, you look for it, right? You search. You're pulling stuff out of drawers. You don't care. Where's my wallet? Where is it at? Honey, where's my wallet? Riley, where did you put my stuff? Did you throw it in the trash can? That's always my fear now. Maddox is really good about throwing stuff into things now, so I'm always afraid he's going to throw it away. But I'll search. I'll go crazy. I'll tear stuff up. I'm throwing things out because it's valuable. It's important. I need it. I need to define where that is if I'm going to go on with my day, go on with my life. But how much more important is God to us in, in knowing what God wants us to do for our life, that knowing we need to hear from God, that, that we need him to speak, we want his guidance, we need it, but we fail, including myself, to really put that kind of effort into knowing what God wants for my life. And that's more important than a phone or a credit card. Those things can be replaced, but discovering God's will for your life, going on that journey, that adventure, is a worthy endeavor to make sure that we put that kind of effort into finding what God wants for our life. How do we do that? I'm telling you, you need to stay consistent at church. And today, high fives to all of you again. You're consistent. If you're here today, you're getting consistent. You're getting faithful in your dedication to God because it's not just about being here again because when you're here, you're being exposed to God's presence. You're being uh, surrounded with other people who are encouraging you and challenging you. You're hearing from God's word, not even my words, but God's word to you. And God can speak to you and he can guide you. So it's important that you stay consistent so that you know what God wants you to do for your life. You know decisions, being in his word, connecting to God through prayer, spending time, just taking some time, whatever that is, start somewhere, hanging out with other believers who are going to encourage you and surround you with, with, with positive influences that say, yeah, you should be searching God, not trying to pull you away from God's plan to your life. We have to make those decisions. The two most important days of your life, they say, are the day that you were born and the day that you discovered why. Some people can live their whole life without really knowing what God created them to do, the purpose and the plan that he has. That's why we're here as a church. Because when you find that and you come into alignment with God's purpose for your life, it's a powerful combination. When you go, I know why I was created. I know that God loves me. I know that he forgives me and that he has a plan and a purpose. And it's a good plan. Jeremiah said, it's a good plan. It's the one that gives you a future. It's a, it's a good thing. But, he says, but you've got to pray. You have to seek and you'll find. So the first 
D in the process is discovery. The second one is then do. We talked a little bit about this before, that, that once we discover the will of God, then we have to then do the will of God. It's not enough just to discover. A lot of people get stuck in the discovery phase. And it's, it's, again, it's the evaluation of, of what pizza you want, what toppings do you want, what restaurant do you want to go to. I want to follow God. And now that we, we have the opportunity, we have the options, we have to decide what we're going to do. Once we discover, we have to do. The value of the word of God and the will of God is in the application of it. The application. Acts 1322 said, but God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man whom God said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. So David, again, said, I have a desire. He said, my ears have been open. God, I've heard from you. So he was on the discovery path. He was finding what God wanted. But when God spoke, David listened. When God said, this is what I want for you, David did what God wanted him to do. But a lot of us get stuck in that discovery phase. We know what's best for our life. We know that God wants us to pursue holiness and to make wise decisions and to to get rid of the sin and the stuff in our life. But but again, the application isn't just in, or the, the value isn't in discovering. We know what's right from wrong. That's the revealed will. Then we have to do what God's telling us to do, to apply it to our life. David didn't just discover. He went on and did. He said, I desire to do your will, God. And he put it into action. David was one of the best kings. He, was, he, he did a lot for the kingdom of God. The second week of the series, we, we talked a little bit about this. We talked about the application of God's word and that, that we can't just read God's word, but we have to do God's word. And, and now two weeks removed from that, you know, where are we at with that? Where are you at with that? Some of you started the 31-day plan that we gave you to say, hey, this is a place to start. But it's not just one day or two days or three days and then I had this happen and that happen. And look, some days you're going to miss a day, but it's, it's the practice of saying, you know what, every day I'm going to apply what I know that I'm supposed to do. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. We have to do it. Most of us, including myself, are educated far beyond our level of obedience. We know far more than we're actually doing. And God's saying, look, let's line those things up. I'm a good dad. I love you. I want what's best for you. So I just need you to do what I'm asking you to do. A couple weeks ago, I had the opportunity to go to Oklahoma City and and spend some time with some other church players. Very valuable time for me. And and, and but four days I was gone. And and by the fourth day, I'm just ready to get home. I'm ready to see my kids and Jess and just to be home. And so I'm in the airport and I had had to wait a, a couple hours. I got there early. And so I'm waiting and I finally get to my gate and they said, oh, it's the delayed, right? This time of year, it's just crazy. So they, were delay- they delayed my flight, and I knew I, had a, I flew from Oklahoma City to St. Louis and St. Louis to Columbus. I had a 30-minute lay- layover, like a small window to make my connecting flight. So as soon as they bumped it, it was like 15 minutes, and then they bumped it another 30. And so they're like, hey, if you have a connection flight, you know, come up to the, the desk here. And so I'm talking to them. They're like, you know, we're not sure if you're going to make it, and there's no other flights out of St. Louis. You could stay here. You could stay in St. Louis. I'm going, oh, no, I just want to get home, right? And so, thankfully, they delayed the flight, my connecting flight, in St. Louis. And so then I was all happy, and I was like, I'm going to make it. But it was still, like, I had, like, 15 minutes to get land there, 
get over there, board the other plane, and get on flight. And so um, I get on Southwest, and if you ever flown Southwest before, it's, it's open seating, you know, and I had like second, I was like B, you know, so I get on. So I could have like gone to the back of the plane and got a window seat, but I don't know about you, I don't really care when I'm in a hurry and I want to get somewhere. I found the second row, and there was someone in the window and someone in the aisle, and I know it's not like Southwest, like kosher, you know, behavior. I was like, hey, I, I got you right here. Are you cool? I'm going to sit right here between you two. And so the guy's like, yeah, fine, whatever, you know, the back of the plane. I was like, I got I to gotta make my connected flight. And I was put my bags away. So I sit down, I'm rushed, I'm hurried. I just, I, I've been a busy day, busy four days. I was like, you know what, I'm just going to relax. I'm just going to read a little bit, put my headphones in, and, and, and just get ready to, to get that flight and hurry up. So I sit down next to a lady, and her name was Terry. And Terry, you know, you know asked me, oh, where, where are you going? You know, where are you heading? So I'm like, oh, Lord, you know, just want to listen to my headphones Terry was about in her 60s or so, and I just thought, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm going to, Colum- oh, what's going on in Columbus? I like, that's where I live. Oh, tell me. And so we started to talk, and so obviously, you know, I had to, you know, ask her questions in return and, and, and begin the conversation. Well, we, we ended up talking the whole hour flight uh, that I was on, and I be- what I discovered, though, was that Terry was on the plane because her uncle, who raised her, had just died. And she was on an emergency flight, booked at last minute, trying to get to St. Louis, where she was from, because she was going to bury her uncle. And so she was going through a hard time, and, and her son was in jail, and she had some other issues where her daughter was living with her, and she was raising her grandkids, and all this stuff. And so I began to sit there and just listen, and, and really, uh, that's mostly all I did was just listen to her. And I would, you know, throw scripture in every now and then, say, yeah, you know, I think God would say this or want that, and she said she was a Christian and all that stuff, and then at the end of the flight, I just say, hey, you know what, Terry, you know, they came on and said, hey, we're going to land, put all your stuff away, we're making our descent, and I said, Terry, I want to pray with you, and she said, thank you, that would be great, so I spent about five minutes just praying for her, and put my arm around her, and grabbed her hand, and I prayed for her, and I just asked for God's peace and all those things, and she was, tears were coming down her face, and she said, you know, you have no idea what, what this has meant to me and how, how this has made me feel. And, and, you know, and she said, make sure she knew about Jess and the kids. She said, you need to tell your wife that, that she has an awesome husband, that he's awesome, you know. She goes, you're, you're a man of God. You're an awesome man. She just kept, you know, I was like, oh, I married out of my league, you know. She, no, you need to tell her. She's blessed to have you, you know. And I was like, thank you, Terry, thank you. And, and so we walked off the gate together and we parted ways and I just told her I'd pray for it. So that even that week, she would come to my memory, I'd pray for her. And I'm not saying that because I'm saying I did something good. Believe me, my initial thought and what I wanted to do was just put in my headphones and chill out and focus on what I had to do. And, and God interrupted my plans, you know. And, and I can sit here and preach all the time how we need to love our neighbor and we need to reach our community and we need to do these things and, and be open to what God wants and talk to these people. But if I don't do what I preach, if I don't do what I know, then where's the value in that? That I needed to do what I knew was right. Even though I didn't feel like it in the moment, I did what was right. And God ministered to her in a very real and tangible way. And I planted a seed, and I don't know what's going to happen with that. God says that we do our part, and then he'll do his part. So the rest is God's. And I think of her, I'll pray for her, that God will use her and bless her and move in her life. But I have to do my part. But as I was thinking about that, I was thinking, how many opportunities have I missed? How many plane rides have I just shut it off and said, you know what, I'm not going to deal with you. I don't have time. I'm busy. I'm tired. I got to make my flight. How many grocery store trips where I could have said something to the clerk or wherever it is, sitting at Starbucks, that I've missed opportunities to do the will of God, to do what he wants me to do. The application comes in doing, 
doesn't matter how good I preach on Sunday if there's no application in your life on Monday. We should all be Monday morning quarterbacks when it comes to our Christian walk with God. We should be processing what God's speaking to us. We should be talking to our spouse about it. We should be asking our kids what they're learning about God in the discovery process and how we do life together. Application is the key. It's what brings the Word of God alive in our lives. It's what makes it active. The Bible says the Word of God is active. It's alive, that it has power behind it, that it can transform lives, but we have to do. So we discover, then we do what we discover, then the last D is then the desire. Doing to desire. Doing comes before desire. They're in order. Purpose. David said, I desire to do your will. Your law is written within my heart. Notice here that he said again, I desire. He doesn't speak of God's will in terms of duty, that I have to do it. He says, I desire to do it because of what you've done for me and what you've shown me. I've desired to do your will. When we get God and and understand him and the proper perspective of who he really is, that he is love, that he's merciful, that he gives us grace, that he allows me to make mistakes where I neglect to do his will, where I shut off and I don't minister to people the way that I should, that I don't love the way that I should, that I don't parent the way that I should, that God gives me that grace, that he gives me that mercy to still live and he forgives me over and over again, they says when we really, David understood that. He had been in trouble. God had rescued him from his trouble. He had committed murder and adultery. And God said, you've messed up greatly, David, but I'm not done with you yet. He said, you've opened my ears. I know the truth. God, I now desire to do your will. When you really understand who God is and how much he loves you and what he's done for you, that's when you begin to desire. But we have to, sometimes we have to do before we desire. We have to make sure that, that we practice what we preach. He said, I desire to do your will. Jesus, how many of you would just show your hands, this, this would say, Jesus never not wanted to do the will of God? Raise your hand. You say, he always wanted to do what God wanted to do. So you don't, he always wanted to do that, right? You don't have to raise your hand. Some of you are like, yeah, this is a trick question. And, you know, I'm not going to, you know. But you say, Jesus said, Jesus said, I've come to do the will of God. I came to do the will of my Father, that he and I are one, and, and I'm going to do his will. But how many, if, if you can remember that Jesus, when he was in the garden, he was getting ready to go to the cross to, to bear the weight of sin for all of the world, and that in that moment it said the stress was so hard on him because although he was fully God, he was fully man, that he was sweating blood because of the pressure that he knew he was going to go to. He knew that he was going to be separated from God. And he said when he came that the God, God and me are one. We're tight. We walk in unity. I do what he tells me to do. And he said, I know that, that I'm going to be separated from him, that I'm going to have to pay a price for all of the world. So he came to this place, and when he was in the garden in Luke 22, 41 through 43, he said he walked away, and about a stone's, at a stone's throw, he knelt down and prayed. He said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet... Nevertheless, another version says, nevertheless, I want to, your will to be done and not mine. And then it said, then an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. I think a lot of Christians live their life stuck in the nevertheless phase. Jesus one time had that moment where he said, God, nevertheless, even though I don't want to do your will right now, nevertheless, not my will, your will be done in my life. But many of us Almost every day, it's nevertheless. We don't have the desire yet. Oh, you know, Jesus, when he had to heal someone, he didn't go, 
oh, you need to be healed, nevertheless, be healed. You know, or you're hungry, oh, Lord, I had a meeting, I'm going to stop, I guess, here's some food, nevertheless, your will be done, God. You know, he, he, he didn't live his life that way. He desired to do the will of God. But this one time, he came to a place where he said, I don't, I don't want to do it. God, I don't want to go through with it. He knew what he was going to have to do. But he said, nevertheless, I'll do it. But nevertheless should not be the norm for our Christian life. We shouldn't go, oh, Kyle said, nevertheless, you know, I got to read my Bible. Nevertheless, I'll read my Bible. Oh, I should just pray. Nevertheless, I'll just do it, Lord. I'll sacrifice. Oh, you know, I got to give to the church. Got to give an offering. Nevertheless, here you go, God. That's not what God wants for our life. God doesn't want it to be that way. He doesn't want, you know, I think sometimes it starts that way. Because I think acquiring a, a will for, or desiring the will of God is qu- kind of like an acquired taste that the more you taste it, the more you, you do, the more you'll desire. We kind of talked about this in the series where going to the gym and those kind of things that it's getting back in the discipline, disciplining yourself even when you don't want to do it. Then when you do it, you see the benefits of that discipline and you, you begin to desire. But God wants us to get to a place where he, he, it's not I, I have to do this, it's I want to do this. I desire, David said, I desire to do your will because he knew what the love of God was like. He knew what the forgiveness of God was like. He said, man, I, I get it, God. I get who you are. I get what you want for me. I want to do your will. I think God in your life wants to move some stuff from the duty column to the desire column column where it's not I have to go to church I have to do these things I want to and discovering God's will and doing God's will for your life as you do those things and this process again continues you'll you'll always be on the discovery there's going to be things in your life that change and you'll need to discover what God wants and you do that and you hear from God he opens your ears he speaks to you you do that and you begin that process over and over again and you see the fruit you see the benefit then the desire will come. Then it's not, I have to do this. It's, I want to do that. But doing comes before desire. The more you do it, the more you'll desire it. You'll begin to see that God's way really is the best way, that God really is good, that he loves you, that he has a plan for you. And the more obedient you are to what you know, the more God will bless you for that. The band's gonna come. We're gonna close out. And David said, In Psalm 37, verse 4, just a few chapters before what we read earlier today, he said this. He said, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. See, a lot of times we think that what we want to do and what God wants us to do are like two opposite things. That's like, well, God doesn't want me to do this. You know, the the number one lie that the devil uses to keep people away from God is that as soon as you come to God, as soon as you really surrender to God, that your life is going to be boring, that you're never going to have fun again, that you'll never meet your spouse, you're going to, you know, you're going to have to become a nun or a monk, right? Like, that's what we think. We buy into that and think this is what the living for God is going to be like. And and God said, no, it's just the opposite. David said that I delight myself in the Lord. What does that mean? And he said, then he gives me the desires of my heart. Not just what God wants to do, what God wants for me. God will actually give me what I want. He'll give me my own desires. But he said, but first, I have to delight myself in him. What's that mean? It means I have to obey him. I have to want God. I have to desire God. And when I desire him and, and I begin to live my life in that obedience, guess what? God begins to change some of your desires too. 
and what you used to desire, you don't really care about anymore. And you say, God, I want to please you. And the more you want to please God, the more God wants to please you. And those things come into alignment. And it's not just that you desire and, and you're fulfilling. The Lord just won't fulfill your desires. I think he will instill his desires into you. So the two things come together. And when you want what God wants and you're living in his will and you've discovered that and you come into alignment with his purpose for your life, it's a powerful combination. It'll change your life. It'll change the way you view the world. It'll change the way you view your spouse, your kids, your job, where you say, God, whatever I do, I want it to be for you. Whatever your will is, God, whatever I do, I want it to bring glory to you because I have a desire to please you. I don't just want, have to do it. I want to do it. It's not just an obligation. God, it's a love thing. It's an obedience thing. It's a relationship thing. And when we get to that place, one, you'll be living in your sweet spot. Your life will be more fulfilling than it ever has before. You'll see God using you in ways that you never have before, whether it's sitting next to someone on a plane. That's a fulfilling thing to me. When the lady's tears coming down her face and she says, you have no idea what you meant to me in this moment. My uncle who raised me just died and I needed someone and God sent you to me. She called me an angel. She said, you're an angel. God sent you to me. I needed you. I, was, I didn't want to do it. But when I do that, I go, I need to be more open next time I sit on a plane. I need to be more open when I'm at Starbucks and when I'm checking out of the grocery, whatever it is. Because it's a powerful thing when we begin to do. Then you begin to desire. God changed her. God changed me in that moment. And he can do the same for you. Discover what he wants for your life. Search for it. If you don't know what it is, some of you are in a place today, you need God to speak. And I'm going to ask you, how hard are you seeking? tearing through the closet looking or is it just hey God where are you at God wants to speak but he says I reward those who diligently seek me wholeheartedly say God it's you without a one I don't care about anything else it's you and then we begin to apply and do what he says then the desire comes if you would bow your head and close your eyes today I'm going to give you an opportunity if you're here and you've never really fully submitted your life to Christ and you've never you know come into an alignment with his purpose. You say, I've always kind of believed, but I've never really lived it out. I've never applied this to my life. And today I really want to make a choice to follow God, to surrender my life. I need him. I need his guidance. I need his forgiveness. The Bible says that all of us are in that position at some point, away from God, separated, but that Jesus loved us so much that he was willing to endure, that even though he didn't want to, he voluntarily gave his life so that that sin that separated you from God would be taken away, that you could have relationship with him. He loves you, he created you, he knows you, and he wants you to know him. 